Hey, can we just put our hands together for this group of people? There were a whole lot of people this morning who turned up at 7.30 to make this morning happen, all the musicians and techies and singers and all the other guys serving. So let's put our hands together for them. I mean, some of you were still sleeping at 7.30. My parents definitely weren't. But anyway, hey, um, I want to start by saying sorry. Sorry, Pastor Tark isn't here this morning. You have to listen to me. I'm, I'm sorry about that. But um, he is having a good holiday. He's playing a, a lot of golf, more golf than I think he's ever played before. And um, he, he seems to play good rounds when I'm not with him. Um, we actually played on the 1st of January, the first of the year. And honestly, I had a shocker. It was so bad. I wish I could just wipe it from my memory. And, and I could tell Pastor Tark was just secretly inside, just getting a little bit happy because... Because he knows if I play bad, that it's his chance to beat me. And guess what? He fell apart on the last few holes and he didn't beat me. So it's not really a victory for me because I was useless, but he missed the chance on the 1st of January. But he's having a, he is having a great holiday. So on the first Sunday of the year, I, I do, and Jody and I as campus pastors really want to encourage you all this year to get into a small group. I really can't emphasize it enough that you need to be part of a small group here at Church Unlimited. And it doesn't matter whether you're a new Christian or whether you've been saved for 50 years. It's important that you're with people who are going to support and encourage you. It really is important that you're getting around brothers and sisters in Christ who are going to look after one another. You know, Pastor Tark said a couple of weeks ago, the banana off the bunch gets peeled. So whether you're a teenager and you need to get along to Limitless or you're a young adult, there's young adults groups and there's so many small groups or serving teams or areas to get involved. You know, there's over a hundred small groups just here in the West Campus alone. And there will be one that you can, you know, find that really suits you. You know, there's men's groups, there's women's groups, there's family groups, there's young marriage groups, there's all these groups. So I encourage you, find one. You know, I said a few weeks ago, the coal out of the fire gets cold. A grape off the vine, that's the one that gets eaten. I can't stress it enough. 2018, find a group. Find somewhere to belong, somewhere to connect. You know, I just love being part of the different small groups that I attend. I love connecting with them. I love being challenged in them. But also, I love seeing the others in the group grow. You know, and you do grow together, so I really want to encourage you. And this morning, what I'm going to share with you, what we're going to talk about, actually came out of uh, a DVD that I watched that was part of the Iron Men's group that meets on a Monday night. And when I saw it, I'm like, why haven't I heard that before? You know, I've been saved a long time now, and I'm like, wow, people need to hear that. And so as I've been thinking about that all of last year, I really felt God say, hey, today... Share it with the church. So why don't we just pray this morning? Father, as we gather around your word, God, I just pray, Lord, give us the ability, Lord, to hear what you're saying to us individually. God, I I really ask that your presence, God, will just continue to fall in this place. God, and we'll walk out of here knowing that we've heard something personally, Lord, personally to us, personally to our situation for our year this year, I pray in Jesus' name. We all say, hey, happy new year. Has it started good? Okay, I want to start by telling you a couple of stories this morning. So the first one 
Uh, it must have happened sometime last year. Anyway, I got this call from Jodie at home, and I could tell she was a little bit upset. She was a little bit agitated. And she said, the whole garage is flooded. So I, I raced home, and I'm like, okay, this is not good. And literally, when I got home, it, the whole garage was flooded. Everything that touched the ground was um, covered in water. The water had started to seep through into the house. And I'm like, what's happened? And, and we we could see that it wasn't the, the sink and the laundry that had overflown. Actually, the washing machine had just completely leaked all the, all the liquids. So, you know, we started cleaning up, and Jody hates this washing machine, even though it's not that old, but she hates it. So I rung up, uh, and I rung up the Panasonic people. I got on the phone, and I was pretty pumped by this stage, you know, after cleaning up a whole lot of stuff. I, I rung them up, and I got this guy on the phone, and I said, you sold, I got this dud washing machine, and I started giving, well, I, I was trying to be polite, but I was a little bit heated, and I started giving it to him. And he said, he said, sir, um, can I just ask a question? Is, was there anything in the machine that was kind of ripped during the cycle? And I said, yeah, there, actually there was. What's that got to do with this? Your machine. <laughs> you know, and, and so I'm talking to him on the phone. He said, well, just potentially. You know, he stayed really calm. He's probably had many of me on the phone before. And he said, well, potentially you may have just shut that piece of clothing in the door of the front loader, so that while the liquid water was all coming in, it just kept pouring out. And, and it wasn't the machine at all, it was actually that piece of clothing. And he said, oh, you better check the seals that you haven't broken. And I'm like, it's your machine. <laughs> but the truth is, actually, one of Zach's jammy legs of his pajamas had been shut in the door, and the, everything had ripped it apart, but that was sitting in the door. Heroes are getting angry at this guy, but he was just calm, and he just, it's not my machine. And then, this would have happened within the last four weeks, we've got the stove top, you know, and you put stuff on it, and, and anyway, Jody's been getting hacked off at this thing too for a long time, and I finally like, okay, I'll have a look at it, and, and it keeps saying L-O on it, and I have to turn off at the wall like four or five times just to get it to work, and she's like... I just, we need to get a new one. And so I rung up the company, and I, and I said, oh, look, this is the thing. We bought it here, but it's only about this old. Oh, no, unfortunately, sir, it's outside of its warranty. And I'm like, oh, no. But she said, look, if you send a really nice email to these people, they might, they might just consider it. So I'm halfway through the email, and I get this bright idea. Oh, maybe I should check the manual. You know the manual? You know, that tells you how to use it. So I have a look, and I'm looking through issues. Allo. I, I come to, oh, it says something about allo. Oh, allo means lock, child lock. So the, the stovetop has a lock. So there was nothing wrong with it at all. Just Jody kept on bumping the button and turning the <laughs> child lock on. So here I was halfway through an email telling them how useless their hob was and how we've got this major issue. The, issue, the thing is, the issues weren't the machines. The issues were the users. And you know, it's true in so many areas of life, the root or the source of the problem isn't usually external. It's usually internal. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? More often than not, you know, we are the cause of the issue. Or it's our response to just a little blip on the radar, and all of a sudden we turn that into a massive catastrophe. Well, maybe it's not you, but I certainly do that with the kids. 
And that's why I've got this mirror sitting on the stage this morning. Because I want to say the enemy of your day going perfectly, of your year being astounding, of your marriage being all that it could be, of your children reaching their potential, of your family members getting saved, isn't out there. It isn't external. It's looking right at you in the mirror. It's looking at you in the mirror. So this morning, I've titled the message, Dealing with the Man in the Mirror. Now, I don't think any of us want the same old year again this year. None of us want an average year, is that right? Yeah? No, no one? Okay, good. We, we, we want a different year. We don't want a repeat of 2017. I want to see change in my life. I want to see things go better. And the truth is, even more than we want change, actually God is doing everything he can to help you change. You know, I really feel to, to say something this morning, that God's on your side. There's people here that need to know God's got your back. He's rooting for you. He's cheering you on. And he wants to see you succeed. And he is doing everything he can. This morning, you need to know God is doing everything he can to see you grow, to see you develop, to see you reach your potential. Can I just pray? I don't know who it is here. Can I just pray for that person, whoever it is? Father, right now, God, I just release that revelation. God, that you have our back, that you are always cheering us on, that you have got the best in mind for us. Father, you want us to succeed. God, give us that revelation this morning, I pray. God, heal those hurts, those wounds that are, that are hindering people from really seeing and, and trusting and relying on you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if this year, if 2018, is going to live up to its potential, we have to change. And we have to deal with the man or the woman in the mirror. James 1 verse 23 and 24 says, If you listen to the word and do not obey it, it's like you're glancing your face in the mirror. You see your, let me illustrate this, you see yourself. You see what you're really like. Now, I'm reading between the lines here. You see what God is highlighting that you should work on or address and then walk away and forget what you look like or forget what God is saying to you through the Bible. Man, isn't that so true? In one ear and out the other. But I know some of you are thinking the title sounds a little bit familiar. That's because Michael Jackson wrote a song called Man in the Mirror. Like James shows, this is God's thoughts, not the king of pop, but he did put some good tunes to it. So you don't forget, I want you to just watch the screens for a moment. Man, some days I wish I could sing. But I'm not going to because I would totally butcher that song. Now, I'm not sure if Michael Jackson was reading the Bible when he wrote that song, but Romans 12 verse 2 says we need to be transformed or we need to change. And I feel God has so much more for us this year. You know, God's been saying this place is too small. 
But that's not just talking about here, it's talking about you. It's talking about we are too small. That our individual thinking is too small for what God wants to do for us, do for our families, do in our lives this year. You know, last Sunday we heard a message about expectation and how we need to be on our tippy toes expecting God to do something significant. You know, and that's God's desire. But we have to change. We have to change our expectations. We have to get excited about 2018 because we have to know that God is able to do something amazing. And we can't just step back, but we need to go, wow, God, what have you got in store? Who's excited about 2018? Come on, let's give God a praise offering for what he's going to do. Come on. In the words of Michael Jackson, I'm starting with the man or the woman in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could be any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, you've got to look at yourself and then make a change. Turn to, the neighbor, turn to your neighbor next to you and say, you have to change. No, no, no. Actually, let, let me be honest. That's the wrong words. You turn to them now and tell them, I have to change. See, the issue isn't with the stovetop or with the washing machine or with your boss or with your pastor or your church leader or with your children. The place to start is with ourselves. Now, I know none of you want to hear that this morning, but it's true, isn't it? I mean, the, what's the main issue that was stopping me from passing my exams. It wasn't how thick I was. It was my ability and desire to study over my desire to watch TV or go out and play sport. You know, it was me. What's stopping us from reading our Bibles? Not our lack of sleep or too much work to do or the kids. It's our own desires or the, our wrong priorities in our lives. Who or what is stopping you from exercising? The list could go on, couldn't it? I mean, who or what is stopping you from praying for your loved ones to get saved? You know, some of you will be saying, oh, it's the devil. Well, according to Romans 7 and Proverbs 29, most of the time, it's actually just ourselves. We're the ones that are just stopping. I mean, our desires, our human nature, our apathy, or our lack of self-control is what's stopping us from fulfilling all that's God's plan for our lives. Now, if I'm honest... Some days I, I do look in the mirror and I say, mirror, mirror on the wall. <laughs> not who's the fairest of them all, because it'd turn around and say, are you blind? It's not you. But turn around and say, mirror, mirror on the wall. Am I doing any good at all? Because some days you do feel like that. Oh, I just keep falling. But today I haven't come to condemn anyone, and I know God certainly hasn't. But if we want to see change... We have to be like 2 Corinthians 3, which tells us we need to be changing from glory to glory. And we have to start with ourselves. So back to the men's group early last year. This American guy, Robert Lewis, was talking about the paradoxes of the Bible. Now, a paradox is something that is seemingly absurd or crazy or contradictory, which, when investigated, actually proves to be true. Just like it's better to give than to receive. I mean, that's crazy. The Bible tells us to lead, we have to serve. Isn't that totally contradictory? I mean, the greatest paradox of Christianity is the cross. I mean, here the Romans look at an instrument of death, of pain, of torture. And yet we see a cross 
and we see life. We see resurrection. We see salvation. We see the salvation of mankind, the forgiveness of sin. You know, what a paradox death, the cross is, to life. And death, it leads to life. Death, life, how can they even be in the same sentence? John 12, 24 says, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now, no one here wants me to talk about death all day, but actually I'm going to. Because I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke 9, verse 23. This is really important scripture. Now, I hope you've either got your Bible or your phone, because it's actually important to see, oh, that's really real. Then he, Jesus, said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So what does that mean? How do I die? What does denying look like? Do I really need to carry a cross around every day? Well, of course the answer to all of those questions is no. But why is it mentioned so much in Scripture? You know, I heard one person say, well, I deny myself sugar in my coffee. Isn't that taking up my cross every day for Jesus? (laughs) I'm like, I don't even have sugar in my coffee, and that's not because Jesus said not to. You know, this passage that we've just read Jesus doesn't explain to the disciples what he's talking about because he knows that when they've seen him die on the cross and then rise again, that they'll understand it so much more. But one thing that they do know is, and this according to history, is that right throughout every Jewish town, somewhere on the outskirts, there was this place where there'd be crosses. Well, actually, it wouldn't be crosses. It'd be sticks of wood with big trees sticking out of the ground because the Romans crucified so many people. And what would happen is people who are sentenced to death, they would have to carry the the cross part of the cross to that place. And that would be part of it. You'd carry your cross all the way to to dying. And that's what God's saying. You know, are you willing to die a little? Are you willing to give it up? And like the disciples, I don't want to die. I want to live. John 10 verse 10 says, God came to give us life and more abundantly. He didn't come to make us die. 3 John 1 shows that God wants us to prosper and be successful in life, and yet we have to deny ourselves. It's like this contradictory statement. How do they fit together? Well, this is what I really heard, and I really want us to to grab today. See, I think we get scared of these scriptures and go, I'm just going to ignore that verse because I don't really know what it means. Well, this morning, I want to say this is what it means. If we turn to Luke, uh, Luke 9.23 in the New Living Translation, it says, if, anyone, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross daily and follow me. See, we are all humans. We all have fleshly desires. We all want to look after number one. We all want to look after the man in the mirror. But to deny ourselves, to put ourselves to death, is simply to say no to our selfish desires, to say no to the things that we want to do because God's got better for us. And that's why I think this is God's, probably God's best strategy for success, is dying a little, to live a lot. 1 Corinthians 15, 31 says, I die daily. Man, I want to be able to look back at this year and say, actually, with joy in my heart, I've chosen to die a little every day. 
I've chosen to do it. I've made that choice to die, die, to deny myself every day. So what does it look like? How do we do it? Well, let's use Jonah as an example. I mean, I would, I would love to be in Jonah's shoes, wouldn't you? Here God comes and speaks audibly to him and tells him to go to Nineveh. Now, he didn't want to go to Nineveh. He doesn't like Nineveh. Does he deny himself? No, no. He runs the other way. Well, imagine if he just took the scripture and just died a little and go, well, God's asking me to do it. It's going to be pretty awesome, isn't it? You know, and have that revelation and just go. He would have saved himself all that scary stuff on the boat. He would have saved himself being stuck in a smelly fish. He would have saved himself being puked up on the land. And he still ended up doing all God wanted him to do anyway. But he would have done it out of free will. He would have done it realizing, I don't quite want to do that, but I'm going to choose to do it anyway. Just like Jonah, God isn't asking us to do something well beyond what we're able to do. I mean, God was only asking Jonah to just go and preach and see revival break out. I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? Well, the truth is, often God asks us to do stuff that's not quite in our master plan. It's not quite in our plan for our day, but it's worth it. God's asking us to do something just a little bit beyond what we want to do. He's asking us just to die a little, and then we get to live a lot. And that's what I really want us to get. If we die a little, if we deny ourselves just a little bit, we get to live a lot. And that's God's plan for all of our lives. You know, let's go to Matthew 26. You don't have to turn there, but in Matthew 26, here's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I'm just blown away by this. You think that the disciples fell asleep once. Actually, Matthew 26 says this, that Jesus went up to pray, came back, found them asleep, told them to wake up and pray for him, goes back again, comes back, sleep again. He actually finds them asleep three times. If Jesus, I mean, all of us, we wouldn't be like that. If Jesus asked us to pray for him, we're going to pray, aren't we? Yeah, you're probably like me, not so sure, because we're the same, aren't we? We don't need Jesus in flesh to be able to do what God is asking us to do. You know, when the, like the disciples, we should be praying, our flesh just wants to go to sleep. When we should be sleeping, all of a sudden our flesh just wants to scan through Facebook or Instagram. You know, it's, it's so true, isn't it? When we should be spending time with our children and our family, all we want to do is sit on the couch and watch TV. You know, when we should be meditating on scriptures, our flesh just all of a sudden has this fountain of knowledge to tidy up something or look into doing something. You know, all of a sudden we're so distracted. Actually, you know, when I was preparing this message, all of a sudden Jody started looking at some photos on the computer and I just had this burning desire to sort out a photo album. I mean, it's so true, isn't it? We just get sucked in by our flesh away from what God wants us to do. See, none of this is bad stuff. I'm not talking about massive sin. I'm talking about saying no to just things that we want to do to the better things that God's got for us. You know, don't be scared by dying. Be excited. And I'm going to get to that in a moment. You know, when we should be meditating on, on, on reading the Word, you know, we, all of a sudden the, the backyard needs mung and, you know, all the stuff. You know what I'm talking about? You know, when we should be focusing on our work, you know, because we should be good examples at work, all of a sudden trade me's calling out to us. Or, or even worse, Candy Crush. I don't know, what is it? You know, something grabs our attention, or maybe you just start daydreaming, and all of a sudden, you know, half an hour's gone, and you're just thinking about nothing. <laughs> you know, when we should be watching what we eat, our flesh just crying out for anything with sugar in it. 
You know, when the, when the scripture tells us to turn our eyes from bad things, to turn our eyes from watching wrong things, everything inside us just wants to watch it. And, and choosing to say no is dying a little, but we know it's worth it. You know, choosing to read anything instead of turning on the sport or any TV for that matter. You know, what I've found in this journey all of last year is dying a little actually does lead to living a lot. And it, it's not the big things, it's the little things. It's the things that we know we should be. And Jody would say, I've got a long way to go in this area. But one thing that I'm, I, it just challenges me is, you know, I come home from work and and I've just got to send an email, or I've just got to pick up, I've just got to give somebody who I hear is needy in church a ring. But that can wait. My, the time with kids can't. You know, my flesh just wants to do those things, and none of them are wrong. But at that moment in time, the thing that's right is the children. And, and so often we just have to say no, because there's something better. But it takes a decision. To die to self is to set aside what we want to do in that moment and focus instead on loving God with everything that we've got and valuing others, especially a family, as highly as we value ourselves. Matthew 22 makes it really clear. What does it say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all, you know, with all your... What is it? Yeah, it's got, I've written it down wrong in my notes. I better you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't talk about loving yourself first. God, others. And that is dying or denying ourselves. It moves us away from being more self-centered and closer to the heart of God. And paying attention to the concerns and the needs or the interests of those around us. Now the revelation of God is it's not bad dying a little. It's actually good. Because it really does lead to so much more. It leads to a much more happier day. It leads to a more fulfilling week, month, and hopefully a 2018. You know, just imagine, I was thinking about this the other day, just imagine King David. He's up there on the roof. My, well, he should have been out of battle. But anyway, he's up there on the roof. He's looking out, and he sees Bathsheba. Now, he probably shouldn't have been looking, but anyway, he sees her. Now, all he had to do was say, nah, I've got six other wives downstairs. I'm going to go downstairs and kiss them. <laughs> I'm not making them up. He's got six other wives. Why does he have to choose that one? Because that's what his flesh desired. How, I mean, that's not even dying at all, is it? Choosing to go down and see your other wives. But, but it's true, isn't it? It's so true. Would have saved himself so much pain by just dying a little. I mean, I wouldn't even consider that dying. But anyway, I, I only have one wife, and it's, it's, it's good. It's very good. <laughs> you know, God knows that our flesh is weak. God knows we're all humans. You know, I love the fact that 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says, God will never test us beyond what we're able to handle. In dying to self, we, we find genuine life by depending on God, who wants to give us much more. You know, the Bible says that God actually wants to give us more life than we've ever dreamed or imagined. That's what God has got in store for you. But it takes something. It requires something. You know, it requires us to, 
to focus, to take the focus off ourselves and, and, and how we look. And to think about others, to think about the people around us. But that's actually freeing. You know, just the same in relationships. If we stop being focused on me and we're willing to die a little, it makes a massive difference to our family, to our work, even to our school or classroom environment. It certainly will bring change during mealtimes if we're not always just thinking about us. It'll change the family dynamic. And it's just requiring a little bit, a little bit of change. It's even simple things like when something says something a little harsh or questions you in front of other people, are you willing to die just a little and ignore it? Because, you know, if you ignore it, it actually makes your life a lot easier. That's what the Bible's talking about here when we finish about it, when we, when we think about it. So I want to finish with this thought. In our me-first, materialistic culture, when we here deal with the man in the mirror or die to ourselves, we focus on the negative, we focus on the die. But I want to say our future self is telling us focus on live. Don't focus on die, focus on live. You know, if you talk to anyone successful, they will tell you the same. Matthew 7 verse 14 says this, Narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. There are few who find it. You know, you talk to anyone successful in sport, what are they going to say? That they've had to give up for the ultimate goal. You talk to anyone in business, there had to be sacrifices and sacrifices to get to that successful place. And these gurus of success, they're just taking what the Bible says. Die a little, to live a lot. Die a little to live a lot. Your future self is saying, come on, live. Make those choices. Choose the life that God has got waiting for you. Yes, denying yourself won't be easy every day. But the life you get is totally worth it. Now I want to come back to the words of one Michael Jackson. If we want our world to be a better place, then we have to look in the mirror and make a change. Because what we want, what our flesh desires, isn't the best for us. That's why the Bible says, die a little to live a lot. Matthew 10 verse 39 in the New Living Translation makes it really clear. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. In the Message Translation, it says this. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you will never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. How clear is that? You know, church, just right now, I want us to all stand to our feet. Because I know in this moment, God's saying, here's one little area. Here's one little thing. Here's one little area where you can choose to say, I'm going to die a little bit. Because I hope you're not focusing this morning on, man, I have to deal with me, I'm, I'm so bad. But God, if I just take this little step, if I make this little change, God, I know you've got so much more for me. And when you see that, you're going to make another little change and another little change. And none of these are bad things. I don't want you to be thinking about sin. I want you to be thinking about priorities, things in your life that are stopping you from seeing the life that God's got for you. So right now, why don't we all close our eyes right across this room? And I hope in this moment you can see, you can feel God saying, 
this area. Make this decision. If you choose to spend less time here, I'm going to speak to you more clearly. You know, I was thinking about this this morning, you know, dying a little is like choosing. doesn't matter how hard your Thursday's been, I'm still going to turn up at six o'clock to the prayer meeting. doesn't matter how much you just need some downtime, I'm going to choose to get along to a small group every year, every week. doesn't matter how much you just need to sit and relax. I'm going to spend time with my family because, God, you've given me that family and I want to be a wise steward of what you've given me. God, I, I want to die a little because I know you've got so much more. I just so sense God speaking right now. Just in this moment, why don't you take a, take a second to just talk to God? Some of you need to make a decision. I'm going to make this change. I'm going to deal with this area because I know it's stopping me from living all that God's got for me.